We're in week three of a series called A Word to the Wise. We're walking through the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. And every single day, you are faced with choices. Over the weeks and months, years, thousands and thousands of choices. Some of them important, some of them not. Some of them morally significant, some not so much. Some that affect other people, some that just affect you. But over time, your ability or inability to make wise decisions will directly affect the trajectory of your life. And so many of us have seen that because we look back and we have these moments where we think to ourselves, if we had done what we knew we should have done in that moment, things would have turned out entirely different in my life. And the thing is, you can't go back and change what was. You can't go back and hit rewind and replay that moment. But what you can do is you can learn from those choices, you can learn from those decisions, and as you move forward, learn to make wise choices. And in the book of Proverbs, there is a lady, Lady Wisdom. And wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs as this woman who stands out in the open at the city gates, and she cries aloud to anyone who will listen. Come and find life in me. And the word in Hebrew is the word hokmah. And it's this idea that there is this wisdom that has been there from the beginning. That is right and just and good. That helps us to make wise choices. If only we will seek it out. But the problem is there is another lady in the streets chasing us down. The adulterous woman in Proverbs. And she is seducing and alluring us to come and make these simple, unwise choices. And those choices lead to death. And I think so many of us look back at our life, and we see the choices that we've made, and we think if we could go back in time, and we could do it all over again, then things would have turned out different. And we make this faulty assumption that if we knew the right thing to do, then we would do it. And we can't help but think to ourselves how many times in our life we've known the right thing to do in the moment and we have not done it. But what is it if it's not our mind that makes those decisions? If knowing the right thing and having enough information is not what leads us in those directions, into those wrong choices, then what is it? 
This is in Proverbs chapter 3, and as I've said through this series, these aren't going to be on the screen. I want you to listen and hear these words. They are in you version. If you want to go back and find what verses we're reading, they are there, um, and you are welcome to do that. But Proverbs 3 starts out, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. In chapter 4, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. But above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, flows from it. And then in chapter 6, it says this, My son, keep your father's commands. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. And these choices that we make, as Proverbs speaks, says that these choices don't necessarily come from the mind. It's not just about knowing, but these choices come out of the heart. The heart in the Hebrew is the word lev. And we think of it as something that pumps blood, that's so necessary. We watch this video just a second ago about giving blood and how important that is because the heart pumps that blood and it gives life to the body. But in the same way, the heart that's spoken of in Hebrew is what gives life. It what gives life to our bodies, to our spirits, to our soul. And it is all intertwined with our life and our mind and our body and our soul and our spirit and all of it works together. And the heart is that place where a person's thoughts, emotions, volition, understanding of right and wrong, all of it flows from. And in Proverbs 4, it says to guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. My guess is, your heart is not something you've thought about lately. We ask how we're doing. We ask how things are going. And, and for some of you, maybe you have been to a heart doctor where they said you need to focus on the health of your heart. But has anyone asked you lately what is the condition of your heart? Not, not the heart that pumps blood through your body, but 
the heart that's going to guide your steps. The heart that's going to help you make wise decisions. The heart that's going to help you to follow Jesus today, tomorrow, and into the future. The heart is where all our life begins. And I wonder if at times we don't sabotage our heart. And, and the word sabotage, it means to, underhand, to have underhanded interference by an enemy. Underhanded interference by an enemy. I wonder if sometimes the worst enemy is us. That if we don't sabotage our own heart by chasing after things that don't matter. And you think, well, it's not that, that big of a deal. We, we can talk about sin and we can talk about all the things that we chase after. But I think at times we forget just how seductive it can be. And everyone's heart is different. And what you're drawn to is different. But I want you to listen to the way that Proverbs personifies this adulterous woman who is chasing after us and alluring us and trying to convince us that the way of wisdom is not good and right and just, that her ways are better. And her ways are going to fill you with life. And her ways are going to satisfy you. In chapter 7 it says, Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant, and her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face she said, Today I fulfilled my vows. I have food from my fellowship offering at home, so I came out to meet you and have found you. And I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not home. He's gone on a long journey. Skipping down, it says, with per persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And at once he followed her, like an ox going to slaughter, like a deer stepping into the noose, till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. See, Proverbs answers this question, how do we live in the world? And the tricky thing is it's not 
always a question of whether it is morally right or morally wrong. But it's a question of is it wise? Particularly, is it wise for you? Because whether or not it's wise or not, a lot of times is based on you and what you find seductive. And we ask that question, well, is it wrong? Is it wrong to drive 75 miles an hour on a highway where the speed limit is clearly marked as 75 miles an hour? No. Not, not at all. Not wrong at all. But what if, what if it is a torrential downpour? Is it wrong to drive 75 miles an hour on the highway? Well, technically, it's not wrong. But let me ask a different question. Is it wise? Is it wise to have a close friend who is the opposite sex? Is it wrong to have a close friend who is a member of the opposite sex as a married person? No. But maybe the better question is, is it wise? Is it wrong to allow your kids to have mobile devices and access to the internet No, but maybe the better question is, is it wise? Let me give you an example of where this really hit home for my wife and I. Um, so if you know anything about me, you know I love baseball. I played all growing up, um, played through college, and it was a big part of my life. And of course, my children play baseball. And um, my oldest son, Ryan, is 10. He's playing still right now this season. And Caleb is done with the season. He's six, and he's moving up from T-ball to coach pitch. And in our world today, there is this thing called um, select baseball or travel ball. And if you don't know what this is, it is where your kids go and they're playing um, usually every weekend or every other weekend, somewhere in a different city. And you drive around and they play the entire weekend. They practice several times throughout the week. Um, families spend thousands of dollars on this, in uniforms and fees and, and things like this to, to make sure their kids are a part of this. And we've pushed back and kind of resisted that urge. And we have so many friends who, who play with us in our league, and they say, well, you've got to get your kids into this. And Ryan, my son, begs us um, constantly, Dad, I want to do this, I want to play, I want to be involved in this. And we've kind of pushed back and said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. That's, that's too much right now for a 10-year-old. And so a few weekends ago, um, one of his friends who plays select ball said, hey, we need another player for this weekend for this tournament. Can Ryan play with us? And so we said, well, you know, it's, it's a weekend. We'll, we'll give it a shot and we'll see what this whole thing's like. 
And so we, we did. And Saturday they had two games. And Sunday they had two games. And we went through this weekend. And my wife and I came and we got home. Um, we had a small group at our house that night. And we got done and we were, were just kind of sitting down reflecting and thinking about what we had just been through that weekend. And I'll tell you, we were exhausted as parents. We were wiped out, spending all day Saturday, all day Sunday, playing baseball and watching our kids play baseball. And we started talking about it. And my oldest daughter, Gracie, she stayed home. And she was in charge of the younger two kids. And we went the entire weekend basically without seeing our other three kids. And letting our oldest daughter be in charge. And we didn't get a chance to clean the house, which we were hosting small group. That fell on Gracie clean the house and get ready for small group. And we didn't get to buy groceries. And so after everyone had left our house from group that night, um, I, guess, I don't guess we even bought groceries that, that night. We, we didn't buy groceries because we were completely wiped out and exhausted. And we have friends whose children are, are in this from a very young age, and they're having arm surgery. You talk to orthopedic surgeons, and they say, you know, youth sports has given us an entire new business. We have three friends whose kids have had arm issues at 10 years old. And watching the kids play, like, there's fun, but, but there was a business side of it. It wasn't really getting to be a kid and playing a game. And you think, well, okay, so what's the big deal? Why, why is that such an important thing to talk about? Let me just tell you. As a guy and a dad who loves baseball and wants my kid to be amazing and would love for him to have the opportunities I had, it is one of the most seductive and alluring temptations I face. Come on. Let them go. They'll be, everyone's doing it. It's fine. And I hear the seductive words of the adulterous woman. Hey, come on. Give your heart to it. It'll all be okay, and they'll be better for it. But as a dad, I have a responsibility not just to guard my heart because everything I do flows from it, but I also have a responsibility to guard the heart of my children because everything they do flows from it. And we have to ask ourselves a really important question, dads. Are we willing to sacrifice our children on the altar of our ego 
Because for me, I know, I know up here what I need to do. I know it. But my heart is so often pulled in that direction. And if I'm really honest, a lot of times it's more about my ego than it is my son's ability and what comes from it. And I think a lot of times we sacrifice our kids on the altar of our ego because our heart is seduced and pulled in so many directions. Is it wrong morally to let my kid do this? No. But maybe the better question is, is it wise? Because for me, it's incredibly seductive. But what I find seductive, you may find repulsive. And it might not be a temptation or a seductive, alluring call. But to me, it is. For you, maybe it's security that is seductive. Maybe it is success that is seductive. Maybe it is comfort that is seductive. Maybe it is wealth that is seductive. But the only person who can answer the question, is that alluring to you, is you. And it might not be a moral or ethical question. It might be a question of whether or not it's going to seduce your heart and pull it down a path that it was never meant to go. So I ask, how is your heart? And maybe more importantly, dads, how is your family's heart? You know, I've tried to end each week with the wisdom of Jesus. Because his wisdom, it seems, so often flows out of the Proverbs wisdom. And Jesus says these words, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Jesus says if there's, if there's something in your life that's pulling and seducing your heart in the wrong direction, away from Him, then, then get rid of it. Don't allow it to seduce you down this road. Because as, as we read in Proverbs, we know where that road ends. 
Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. So there is the filter. As you make these thousands and thousands and thousands of choices that will directly affect the trajectory of your life. Is it wise? Is it wise? And is it leading my heart closer to Jesus? Father, today, we pray in this place that you would give us wisdom. As fathers, as men, as women, as leaders, fathers, as followers of Jesus. Give us wisdom to do what is right and good and just in this world. To be your stewards here on earth, moving creation in the direction you designed it to go. And Father, help us to see the lure, the seduction, the temptation of the other paths that are so numerous and so wide and look so spacious and look so life-giving, but, Father, are simply a highway to the grave. May we find life. May we find hope. May our hearts be centered on Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen.